It's been a while now since we talked about the Daybell case. There's been new motions that have been filed in preparation for the trial in April of 2023. In today's video, we're going to talk about these motions, what the judge decided and didn't decide, and we're going to dive into topics like debating the death penalty for Lori Daybell to conversations about the jurors and what to do with them. John Pryor, Chad's lawyer, was whining and wanting to push back the trial yet again. When doesn't John Pryor want? Chad and Lori wanting to see each other again. There's new DNA testing of new evidence and interesting new information about a subpoena for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and an interesting hint at an alibi from Lori Daybell, albeit ridiculous. We are less than 10 weeks away from what I believe is going to be the trial of the century. So now let's get into it. Nate Eaton from East Idaho News was there at the hearing so that he could report back to us as to what was going on. It's interesting because he made note of how Lori and Chad interacted together because they were both present. What was interesting was that Lori looked around the courtroom and it was said that she would also look at Chad and whoever was talking, whereas Chad just stayed focused, stayed forward, and didn't even look at his own lawyer found that interesting. Guess he forgot his own pickup line that he was married to Lori for eons and eons ago. Now the hearing started off talking about a continuance. John Pryor, Chad's lawyer, asked to push the trial out till April of 2024. And why that is, is there's DNA evidence that's being tested and he's freaking out because he says it took five months to test this. He still doesn't have any of the results back and he feels like He's not going to have the time for him to look at it or his expert. The problem that arises, Judge, is simply this. With this new evidence, even if it were to be expedited, you're not giving me enough time to prepare the evidence and to submit a report to Mr. Wood in, in time. Uh, I can't have my expert, my DNA expert, and evaluate it and then submit a report by the 23rd deadline. And quite frankly, if, I, if you even extend that into March, and I provide Mr. Wood a report. He has to then provide me a response by the, by the April 3rd deadline. I don't think it's possible. Now, the court potentially could say, well, then I'm not going to allow any of that evidence to come in. And you could strike that evidence as a remedy. The problem is I want that evidence. And I believe that evidence is going to be helpful in the defense of my case and I'm entitled to my evidence. He says there is no way that DNA evidence will be done, and even if it's provided to me tomorrow, I'm going to need a specific time to have my expert test it and make their own conclusions. If I don't get that evidence, Mr. Daybell is going to file an ineffective counsel against me, and as much as I like Chad, he's going to do it and he won't hesitate to do it. Then this case will be turned over because I was not provided an opportunity to adequately prepare. John has had three years, this is a last minute, it sounds like, that they found new DNA evidence. I'll get to that in a minute. But the judge asked the prosecution about what's going on. And Lindsay Blake said, there was a potential source of DNA evidence that was located. The state lab personnel does not believe through testing they are going to get any DNA back, but could it be exculpatory? We don't know. The state lab was going to test those items, but we're not hopeful they would get DNA. Here's what was interesting in this segment. Lindsay Blake wanted to approach the bench several times and discuss the details 
to Judge Boyce about it. John Pryor, as we know he likes to whine, he took up something like an hour of this time when really the bottom line is, I want the evidence, your honor. And we know John, he likes to stretch out things to an extreme amount. Now, Lindsay asked to approach, I think it was one, two, maybe three times. It was two or three times she asked to approach and discuss this so this wouldn't be an issue over, you know, from John. But the judge said no, which I found that curious. So they had to listen to John go on and on about his argument. And at one point, it got personal between John Pryor and Lindsay Blay. And it usually does from John, in my opinion. But the judge kind of shut that down from Lindsay and he says he's ready to rule on this motion. This is what he said. The overreaching concern is that one defendant, Mr. Daybell, is requesting to have it set another year out. The co-defendant has unequivocally asserted her right to a speedy trial. She has never equivocated at all about wanting things to go without delay. I would be very, very concerned if I were to set a trial out for another year in April. If you've been following this case, you know that the trial was supposed to be in November 2022, then it pushed out to January of 2023, and now it's in April. But the judge denied the continuance, which is good. It's moving forward and will start on April 3rd. JJ Vallow's grandpa, Larry Woodcock, spoke to East Idaho News and said, I feel like the world is praying that this trial goes forward and that we have a good, honest, straight up trial focused on the evidence. I believe this case is going to be proven beyond the shadow of a doubt. They can make all the excuses, but in the end, they are guilty of murdering two children. Now these DNA samples, I read a motion and it was of recently discovered hair samples. It says the parties agree that the hair samples recently discovered by the Idaho State Lab may be consumed by the state lab to determine if sufficient DNA is present to create a DNA profile. In the event sufficient DNA is available to create more than one profile, the DNA sample will be split between the parties for testing and each party may have the expert of their choice test their respective portions of the DNA. In the event sufficient DNA is available for only one profile to be created, the parties agree that state labs shall halt any further testing and the parties will reconvene at that time to determine who should conduct any further testing. In the event the state lab determines there is not sufficient DNA to create a DNA profile, the parties shall reconvene to determine what, if any, course of action to take regarding the samples. Let me know below what you think about this issue. Do you think that Lindsay Blake should have been able to approach the bench and cut this puppy in half of what the court hearing was? Let me know below. Next, I talked about sequestering. The prosecution would like the jury to be sequestered when the trial begins in Ada County. They are worried about protecting the integrity of the case. Prosecutor Rachel Smith said, we are very worried given the nature of this case, given the publicity, that if the court does not sequester the jury for the duration of the trial, there will be problems keeping the jury secure and making them have no contact with parties about this case. Now the trial is set for 10 weeks in length and this could be tough for jurors being away from their families, from their work, etc. But Rachel Smith said, this case involves the death of two children and the death of a mother of multiple children. If there are no safeguards provided to jurors, given the attention of some of these citizen journalists on this case, we have real concerns about the integrity of this case. Lori's lawyer said that normally he'd agree with sequestering a jury, but he's worried about the length of the trial and he says it will limit the jury pool. He said, having the jury sequestered for over two months, no contact with home, no contact with children, it's going to limit our jury pool. Our jury pool is going to consist of who? Retirees, nobody with a job, nobody with a business to run. John also objected. 
and he said the only thing you're doing is stopping a bunch of jurors from reading the paper or getting on the internet. You can instruct them about that judge. You don't need to lock up a jury for two months like prisoners. And Rachel Smith actually talked about this, about the jurors being away. And she said it's not that they can't have zero contact, but there is actually systems in place where they discuss that and provide that. But the judge denied the motion to sequester. He said, I believe adequate steps can be put into place to not require sequestration during the course of the trial, and the court will take these steps very seriously. Now, let's go to the face-to-face -face meetings or phone calls between Lori and Chad. Lori's defense attorneys requested strategy hearings with Chad and his lawyer. And the prosecution apparently sent a letter asking if Lori was interested in settling the case. Lori's lawyer said, the two defendants would like to be able to talk about their settlement options. We need to be able to talk settlement and plan strategy. As we prepare for settlement conferences, as we prepare for mediation, I'm asking for an order from the court and I'd like it to start today. Now, if Lori and Chad were to meet, it would be them, their attorneys, and a sheriff's deputy that would be standing outside the door. And it says that it wouldn't be recorded. But the prosecution voiced their major concerns and said, each defendant has an attorney-client privilege with their respective counsel. They do not have that same privilege with their co-defendant's counsel. She said, if Chad were to say something that was incriminating, in front of Lori's lawyers, they become witnesses and are no longer protected by that client attorney privilege. And Lori and Chad haven't talked to each other in ages, and I think they were only able to speak once, something like that, since they landed their butts in jail. As for settling the case, the prosecution said, there can be no settlement conference if the state is not a party to that. The request is not to have the state present in these meetings, so there could be no settlement negotiations unless the state is there. Prosecutor Rob Wood wrote, the state has serious reservations about allowing the co-defendants to have face-to-face -face or other communication directly with each other. The state recognizes that the defendants have agreed to not use any evidence or information they obtain throughout any discussions or meetings against each other. Nevertheless, the state is not willing to make a similar agreement. Any communications between each individual defendant and his or her attorneys are confidential. However, having the other defendant and or his or her counsel present would make them potential witnesses of statements made by the other defendant and eliminate any claim to attorney-client privilege. John Pryor did want a meeting, but of course he didn't like how it was worded and specifically the word strategizing. And he said, I'm not going to strategize with anybody. I'm going to present our defense in this case. The process is going to be trial prep. There's going to be no strategizing. This is trial prep. And Judge Boyce denied the motion and said, it's an idea full of pitfalls that would far outweigh any consequences. Let's get to the death penalty because Lori's lawyer is asking the court to take that death penalty off the table. In a motion filed on January 4th, the defense is saying that Lori was not a participant in the deaths as a conspirator or otherwise, and could not have the foreknowledge that her children, Tylee Ryan and JJ Vallow, or Tammy Daybell would end up dead. Further, there is nothing in the record to show that Lori Daybell showed reckless disregard for human life as a court requires for accomplice liability. I'm just gonna let you sit with that for a minute. There was disregard, and you can agree or disagree with me below. There was reckless disregard for human life several times. Let me know below. In court, 
Her lawyer said, as a death penalty lawyer who has done many of these cases, we try to settle before we get to the point. Some death penalty lawyers would say if you're already in trial, you've lost because the jury is prone to convict and give a death sentence. The jury is basically given a license to kill. Jim Archibald gave eight examples of people who are on death row in Idaho and one of them has been waiting for 30 years. He said, why does Idaho seek to kill somebody when they have no intention of carrying it out? Our process is flawed, it's replete with mistakes. The appeals process will go on forever if the state receives its wish of the death penalty. In this case, that is why I'm asking the court to stop this nonsense now and rule the capital punishment scheme unconstitutional. Rob Wood objected to dropping the death penalty and he said that they will prove that Lori intended for JJ and Tylee and Tammy Daybell to die. The prosecution states, the evidence this state will introduce at trial, some of which a grand jury has already reviewed, will establish that the defendant intended for her children and her boyfriend's wife to die, and that she affirmatively acted to make those deaths happen. The prosecution also argued that Lori was indicted on the charges that she was, and it was according to Idaho laws, and that makes it eligible for the death penalty. Judge Boyce didn't rule on that. We'll wait to hear what that outcome is. Do you think he'll keep that in play? Let me know yes death penalty below or no. Now here's the ridiculous alibi in my opinion. On January 5th there was a document filed regarding Lori and an alibi which is very interesting. The alibi said Lori Vallow was in her own apartment in Rexburg, Idaho when JJ Vallow and Tylee Ryan died in the apartment of Alex Cox in Rexburg, Idaho. Defendant was with Melanie Gibb, David Warwick, and or Chad Daybell. Lori Vallow was in Hawaii when Tammy Daybell died at the home of Chad Daybell in Salem, Idaho. Defendant was with Melanie Boudreaux and or Audrey Baratiero. Now, let's just talk about this for a minute. First, I did a video on Lori's numerous flights. It's interesting to see her little pattern there. I will put that in the description box below. I have over 150 videos in this case alone. While it was true that Lori was in her apartment, how did she know the kids died in Alex's apartment? And according to Lori, she just didn't know because Tylee was, Tylee was out and she was going, you know, to school and you know and when it came to JJ like she just didn't know so there's some major pieces missing here also let's just talk about the timeline for a minute with Tylee they took the trip that day to Yellowstone Park it was Alex Cox, Lori Daybell, Tylee and JJ and what was interesting and I did a timeline on it, but it's interesting because Alex goes back to Lori's apartment, he stays there for a bit, he zips out at nighttime, comes back, and then there's actual pings that talked about Alex's movements in the middle of the night. It said at 2.42, Alex's phone pings at Lori's, at 3.37, he leaves Lori's apartment. I have a theory about uh, the witching hour in the middle of the night where I believe that's when Tylee died. At 4.37 he arrives home and it hasn't been disclosed where he was at that hour, that hour that he was gone. And at 8.59 he leaves his apartment and then goes to Chad's and that's where Tylee was later found. Same thing happens with JJ. JJ, they're at Lori's house, she's doing a podcast, Alex comes and walks through the door and it's been said by witnesses, that by David Warwick, 
that he sees JJ, you know, coming back with his head on Alex's shoulder. It's believed that possibly JJ has passed away there. In my theory, I don't believe so. I think it's in the middle of the night because of this witching hour theory. Then in the morning, JJ's gone. So Alex was also in the apartment. But I mean, of course, Lori, and you can let me know your thoughts below. Of course, Lori's going to say, well, it wasn't here. It was at Alex's apartment. Well, it's interesting now that she's agreeing that the kids did die that day because according to Lori, for how long she didn't produce the children and she just smiled at the, the cameras like she was in a pageant. I'm interested, I'm super interested to hear what Lori's gonna come up with or what her lawyer is gonna come up with about this theory of an alibi. So now there's a subpoena that's been said, um, it says, that subpoenas from the Idaho court where they will be tried show that Dave Channer, Associate General Counsel for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, will be asked to turn over all of Vallow's church records. And according to the subpoena, it includes attendance records, temple records, disciplinary records, records of accomplishment, or any other records in their possession that may pertain to Lori. Also, remember JJ's school, uh, the Life Academy in Gilbert, Arizona? They also received a subpoena and they're to provide all school records related to JJ. There was some interesting things of an app that I did, I wanna say maybe one or two years ago, about Lori's little pattern of that, checking in on JJ's school. It was very interesting. And JJ didn't even go to school at that time because he was gone. So there was some interesting, weird stuff happening there. Now, Kate and Larry, JJ's grandparents, were saying that they were relieved when Judge Boyce denied that Lori and Chad meet. She said, thank goodness he did deny that. It just seemed like an off the wall kind of request. I think Lori wanted to simply see Chad in person and maybe figure out if she's going to turn on him. There has to be more to it than just them wanting to meet and strategize. Now, remember how I said that it was reported that Chad never looked at Lori during the court, but Lori looked at Chad repeatedly. Kay says, Lori, you're fixing to be thrown totally under the bus. In fact, you're not going to get thrown under a bus. You're going to get thrown under a steamroller. And Larry says, Chad is not your friend. His attorney's not your friend. And I truly believe they're going to throw her under the bus the moment the case opens. I think so too. I think that's what John's prepping Chad for. Like, don't you look at her. Don't do this. Look what she's done to you. Blah, blah, blah. This is your freedom. Blah, blah, blah. And Lori's wanting to talk to her husband about it and wanting to see what he thinks. More manipulating, in my opinion, that's her pattern. Now, there's going to be more hearings in February and March before this trial. Let me know what you think below. I am going to be following this trial right to the bitter end. Let's get justice for JJ, Tylee, and for Tammy. And once this is done, we're going to get justice for Charles Vallow. Check here to see the most important videos in the case. And also check here if you want to see the entire playlist. Thank you so much for watching. We'll see you soon. One more time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.